Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USC is 5-7 and seven and not going to a ball. Oh, all right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio. This is the CarCast after Saturday night's USC-Stanford game. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. Yet another game in which a private school from California that wears Cardinal went up 14 points in the first half. Lewitz um, got outscored 42-3 to from that point on. I mean, how many times do we have to see this game play out the same over and over and over again? We've seen it over and over and over and over again. It's tiring. Again. It is absolutely tiring. It's just, it, you know, it's a team that was plagued by mishaps that was, uh, you know, special teams mishaps and turnovers and they couldn't get any stops and all of the same things that we've, we've a backup been quarterback about. not coming through yeah i mean over and over and over again we've talked about how you know the the talented players on on uh on teams that that don't live up to their billing and i know i know i you know? I, I i mean at least that team just kept going after the tight end which is a good good thing you you had to have liked that i mean i i, I i'm all about tight end yeah. receptions but Alicia, we're talking about Stanford because I don't know if you know, USC finished this game on Saturday night with 35 unanswered points, all of whom were generated by the offense. No, that can't be right. The offense. That, I mean, we that can't that can't possibly be right. I know, I know, I know. USC only scores three offensive touchdowns. Yeah, we. Yeah, we right. I mean, we, we we've established we've this. established this. Yeah, That's the sure. rule. Yeah. The, are you telling me that USC broke? They the finished rule. with thirty-five consecutive points in this game, unanswered, all on the offense, and they went on a forty-two to three run that was all on the offense. Wow. There was no pick six. There was no wow. scoop and score. There was no block punt return for a touchdown. There was no kickoff return, no punt return, no safety, no nothing. If anything, the defense and the special teams let USC's offense down. I, again, the, our, did we just enter the upside down world or something like that? Like I, did, or did we? Is it opposite day? And I, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I mean, it's like. It's kind of hard to process. It's kind of hard to pro- like it was here's my question. Here's my question. Was it a good thing that USC fell behind in this game instead of going up 14 to nothing as we've seen them do over and over again? Like is that was that like a net positive that they had to get punched in the mouth and then Would you say it was stock neutral? <laughs> no, I I'd say, I'd say it's stock up for USC in general right now, Michael. Um, as much of a, as much as I am stock neutral nation, nation uh, this yeah, is definitely we're, stock. We're, we're stop. Definitely part of the nation, but yeah. no, like I don't, I don't know how to put this into words, um, because I don't think it was good that they fell down seventeen to three because they fell down seventeen to three doing, doing the same all, crap that we that we mad at them about that we've complained about right like. They fell down to 17 to 3 by not finishing off a good drive, the by very ha- first drive of the game. By having a turnover, by having drops on third down. Drops on third down. Uh they couldn't set an edge. Uh they actually got gassed gashed in the middle of the line this time. Yeah. Um they were giving up big plays. The the special teams was giving Stanford short fields. And so I give the defense a little bit of a break in the sense that they were given uh they were dealt a bad hand a couple of times. 
but they still gave up 10 points on those things. And so SC goes down 17 to three. And especially after they, they go down, sorry, they go down uh, 14 to three. And then Bayless Jones fumbles the kickoff. Yeah. And at that point, I'm like, wow, this is. Here we go. This is going to be awful. Like we were tweeting out that the rant line phone number, the whole bit, this is horrendous for USC. And SC gets a stop. And I will credit Elijah Griffin because I thought Elijah Griffin was great tonight. Four pass breakups for Elijah Four Griffin. Four pass breakups. And I feel like there were more more than that that weren't even counted. Well, he defended a couple other passes that it was just he yeah. defended them very well. Yeah, he had a great night. Um, but on that drive, he he covers Kobe Parkinson in the end zone, doesn't give up anything. They, SC ends up forcing Stanford to a field goal. Jet Toner makes it. It's 17-3. to And at the time, I think you put it on Twitter and other people put it on Twitter, like, this feels like a big win for USC to, to, to get that stop, but they still need to not put themselves in that position. From that moment forward, it was 42-3. to And I put on Twitter, I said, you know, if, if you want USC to be Big 12 bad, the special teams and defense, okay, they... Big 12 bad accompanies that. Like, like this is what the defense and, uh, I mean, includes that, right? This is what the defense and special teams is. But you need the offense to kind of, you know, put the wind into the sails here. And then the offense just did. And Keaton Slovis looked great. And all of a sudden, everything came together. And they were doing all the things that we talked about. They were, uh, it was Keaton Slovis throwing to wide open dudes. It was Keaton Slovis moving around in the pocket. And, you know, we talked in the car on the drive home. And sorry, Keely. Um, but <laughs> one, the thing that, that Keaton did so well for me in this game, I mean, we can talk about the back shoulder throw to Michael Pittman, which he had a posted stamp of a hole to throw it into, took a big risk in making the pass and then put it right on the money. We can talk about that and how beautiful some of his passes were. But for me, the maturation that was evident for Keaton Slovis was how he moved in the pocket. Uh, this was a guy who anytime he faced pressure, he moved around, he extended the pocket, he extended plays in a safe way. Uh, it was kind of, he had the, the Cody Kessler in him in the sense that he was able to a avoid the blitz and B not turn the ball over, but he didn't have that hold on to the ball a little too long bit that Cody Kessler did because he would get out of the pocket and he would either find somebody to throw to or he'd be totally content with taking a one yard scramble and slide and live to to live another day. And it was it was great he to was, see that. He was kind of a happy medium between Sam Darnold's at times recklessness and Cody Kessler's cautiousness right like and and i think i don't know if it was you or somebody else put on twitter like i would have loved to have seen what cody kessler would look like in this offense um because like that's that's the beauty of this offense is it's it feels like it's putting these players in position to succeed and the difference between this week and last week really was we talked about this last week too you know the frustrating thing was that it wasn't it didn't feel like it was a schematic thing that was holding that offense back it was literally just execution don't turn the ball over it's really that simple like as an individual don't turn the ball over don't turn the and ball over. don't drop third down plays yeah. and stuff like that and yeah. that was the difference in this game where i mean uh, tyler vaughn's dropped a couple balls early but then he goes out and makes a gorgeous gorgeous back shoulder catch and from there on out, af basically after Velas Jones fumbles the kickoff, from there on out, USC's offense plays essentially mistake-free football. They only have two punts, two punts in the whole game. The, and the, and, you, the you, you, and look at, you look at the drives, it's field goal, punts, the fumble on the kickoff, so the offense never hit the field, and then touchdown, 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 punt, touchdown, 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 end of game. That is about as perfect as you want to be. Obviously, yeah, if you never saw Ben Griffiths ever, that would be great for USC's offense, but that's just not realistic. So what USC put together in this game offensively was freaking stellar. And I go back to what we said in the CarCast two years ago 
when SC beat Stanford at the Coliseum. Very similar game, 42-24. to It was a game that, if I remember right, went back and forth for about the first 20 minutes. From that point on, it was all SC. SC ends up putting 600 yards in total offense, 300 through the air, 300 on the ground. It was the offensive line creating massive holes for Stephen Carr and Ronald Jones. And this game was completely different in so many ways. But... You and I talked about it, and I remember specifically asking you, was this performance by the offense too good, too perfect, to the point where it's recalibrated the expectations that SC will never, ever live up to? And I remember asking you this, thinking like afterwards, like that was kind of a dumb question. But it ended up being on the nose, because what did SC never do? They never lived up to that billing again they never got even close to it certainly not from the offensive line yeah and i look at this game in a lot of ways i don't know how sc on offense on offense could have gotten better with the exception of finishing off that first drive not having to settle for a field goal and yeah the 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 two the three and outs to start the half the, the second half but even then, like I, I don't know what room SC really had to get better in this game. Keaton Slovis completed eighty five percent of his passes. Like yeah. he didn't throw any picks. Well, there were no turnovers by the offense. Like where did they get better? I don't know. Well, okay, so then that's the the thing, right? The recalibration of uh, of the expectations. expectations. Yeah. Like okay, expectations for Keaton Slovis are now. Through the room. Like, yeah. I, I think it was uh, Rich Rich SC or, so, or somebody like that who tweeted something about, like, or it was USC Football News um, who tweeted something like, I'm seeing people, like, basically anointing Keaton Slovis as a Heisman candidate already and, like, let's calm down, guys, it's one game. Right. But, like, that was the level of positivity that this game created is that this is what USC's offense could look like. This yes. is ideally what USC's offense will look like. Now, this was the brochure. Yeah, this was this the was brochure. The, print it, uh, make a million copies with uh, with jet toner, um, <laughs> and then go out there and tell everybody that this is what the offense can be. This was the highlight reel you send to Bryce Young and say, this is why you still want to come here. Yeah. This is the highlight reel you send to recruits. Uh even Justin Flo, hey, he's so, a defensive player, but whatever, right? But look at this okay, was but look at the defense. Like for instance, look at the defense. This is you. This another sorry, Keely. Another conversation you and I had in the car, car on the way here to the studio was that like the defense. Uh, I mean, we talked so many times last year about how the defense got blamed for a lot of things. Where I just felt bad for them because they were holding on and holding on and holding on, and the offense wasn't giving them anything. Right. And in game one against Fresno State, it was the same thing for me. It was like the defense is holding on and holding on and holding on, and then yeah, they break and it looks awful. But like, what was the offense doing in those three drives in between where the defense was getting stops? And finally, here, finally, the thing that we've been talking about for years is if this offense lives up to its potential, it takes the pressure off of everybody else. Right. The defense didn't have... The defense could be Ben, but don't break. The defense yeah. didn't have to... Um, uh, you know, it's it's do or die. If we fail to, to stop, you know, Stanford from putting points on the board, then it's over. If, if Stanford converts the two field goals that they miss or gets touchdowns out of those two drives, USC still wins this game. Yeah. Like th- that's that's Big Twelve bad. Like this is exactly what right. what we were talking about. Like about Big Twelve bad. This is, when your offense is playing like this, it doesn't really matter what your defense does. Yeah, and we we've said it before that Clancy Pendergast is not a an elite defensive coordinator. Yeah, but if you put him with an offense that will give him reliable points, he's going to win you a lot of games. And that's why I've said like I think Oklahoma still makes the playoff with Clancy Pendergast as its defensive yeah. coordinator because. He's going to limit teams to 20, 25 points well, reliably, and that's not going to be good enough to win 10 games in a lot of, for a lot of different offenses. But if you have a high-potent, a high-octane offense that's going to be potent and score a lot of points, it's going to be more than enough. And you saw that tonight because even when they were struggling early on, I think they got confidence from the offense. Yeah. Because 
again, the the run at the end was forty two to three. Yeah, it's not like and it's, it, it was forty two to seventeen because the defense was giving up touchdowns. Mind you, they could have withstood that. They they could have absolutely been able to to withstand, um, you know, a, a drive or two, and it wouldn't have been a big deal. But but they didn't. They they rallied together and and they pulled together the the confidence that the offense kind of gave them. Well, that's the thing that the defense has always had. The defense has always had limitations, but they've always had fight in them. And for once, they've the fight in the defense was matched by the fight in the offense. And I, I think th- that greatly, greatly, greatly helps your defense. Um, I, I just, you know, the, the crazy thing about this is I tweeted that uh, Clancy Pendergast is not good at third downs, which I will stand by. He's not good at third downs. The number of third downs, third and longs that USC gives up is astounding. But then you look at the numbers and it's like they went four of 11 right. and 0 for 2 on fourth down. So like, well, it, it was interesting though because take that any day of the week and, and yet yeah, I'm sitting there going like, man, this third down defense is crap. Well, if, but, if, you, if you look at how it came to be, uh, Stanford was 0 of 3 in the first half. Yeah, they were three of their first three in the in the second half, and but they didn't get any points on the drive. They didn't, the, didn't get any points yeah. because what they were able to do, SC was so good on first and second down repeatedly. Really, the the last forty minutes of the game, they were so good on first and second down, and we've talked before about how SC's defense is good for three plays and then bad for one, good for four plays, bad for one. Yeah, and you kind of saw that in this game, especially in, in that second half that. They'd be great on first and second down, and then they struggle on third down. But you can do that and be a men, but don't break defense. If A, you've got the offense to back it up, but B, if you're able to to not have that pressure on you, you can play the percentages. And if you give up three first downs on a drive on third and long, again, the odds lower that the fourth time they're not going to get it, which they didn't. Yeah, and you you, you it, might get a sack. I mean, you, you might, might get, get a sack, you, or you might get an interception, or you might get. And you whatever. might get fortunate you, that Jet Toner misses a, a kick. Right, right, exactly. But you have to be opportunistic, right? And that was the problem with last year's defense is they weren't opp- opportunistic. They they didn't have they had like ten turnovers all year. That is way too low. Well, they've generated four four turnovers uh, in the first two weeks. Like that's that's progress. And they got two fourth down stops. That's that's big. Uh, so, you know, I think you can live with this defense, You, especially knowing that this is a young defensive uh, secondary. Um, you're still sort of figuring out what your life is with the linebackers, who I still feel like uh, EA had a couple of impact plays, which was nice to see, but also had a big uh, missed tackle. And, you know, he's Outside still Outside of Elijah Griffin, did anyone stand out to you on defense? Because I don't think anyone really did. I thought Drake Jackson looked great again. Okay, um, I'll give you that. I thought uh, Connor Murphy impressed me. He had a sack, he first a career sack. sack. But I don't think that there was one player who was constantly leading the charge with the exception of Elijah Griffin. And yeah. I think that's good for that defense. I, I, I think that if if it's, you know, like obviously you want EA Nantete to make every single play. Right. But if he's making every single play, then what does that mean for everyone around him? And in this in this game, after SC got going downhill, and, you know, in the 42-3 stretch... Kind of everyone just pulled their weight, just really on offense and on defense, and that's kind of really what you want to see because on offense too. Like, I hold on. Can we can we just talk for a second about this tackle for loss chart? Sure. Okay, so I just pulled up the tackle chart, the defensive stats for this game. I'm gonna read down the players who had who were involved in a tackles for loss at any point in this game. Talano Hafanga, uh, Jay Tufele. Marlon Tupelotu, Kanai Mauga, Chase Williams, Drake Jackson, Palaia Nauteote, Connor Murphy, Juliana Falanico, Christian Rector, Caleb Tremblay. That's a lot of names. A lot of dudes. Yeah. There are there there are there let me see. The only person who had more than one tackle for loss involvement was Drake Jackson. He had one point five. So like you're talking about like guys at different levels of the defense. Different um, uh, sections of the of the rotation. That was the other thing. Is that okay? Th- this is the other thing. Just not to jump around too much here, but on the defensive line, we continued to see it wasn't a fluke. They're going to rapidly rotate, aggressively rotate, and let guys like Connor Murphy and Caleb Tremblay 
and and uh, those um, guys get in there, not just in package situations, but in platooning situations. On the other side of the ball, immediately, immediately we saw wide receiver rotation, major wide receiver rotation. They've taken the wide receiver rotation out of the hands of the of the receivers. It doesn't look to me like they're they're saying you know when you're tired come out anymore. They were. They were right away. You saw Drake Jackson in there. You saw, sorry, Drake London in there. You saw Munir McLean in there. You saw um, John Jackson the third was in there in the first drive. Like they were, they were being very aggressive about using their depth on right. both sides of the ball. I mean, at the end of the game, you saw Marquis step. Well, and so then here's my question: Is it any? Is it coincidence that they finished strong in this game? Um, I don't think we have enough information. I mean, yeah, it's it's one game, but like I'd like to believe there's so much about this game that I'd like to believe, and we can have the 2017 Stanford uh, is this a mirage conversation? I'm sure we will continue to have that conversation, but there's so much in this game that I would like to believe is that could be the start of something. I mean, it could be that this is the mirage and that it's not the start of something, but it could just as easily be a situation where. They've now learned how to do these things. They, they've now learned how to finish, how to stick your foot on an opponent's throat. In in the third quarter, I think, it, it was in the third quarter when, um, uh, after Greg Johnson's interception, I think, and, or no, it was, it was before that, but USC was about to go up, they were up 31 to 20, whatever it was. Right. And I tweeted, like, this is the finish him moment. Yeah, they need to sure. go out and and kill this game. And what did they immediately do? Quick, no nonsense drive down to score. And then not not only that, but they did that. And then the the next one they come out and they just say, "Screw it, we're going to go out and score again." We haven't seen USC pile on an opponent in ever. Well, I, just the forty two to three run. When was the last time SC had a forty-two to three run or thirty-five unanswered points? Uh, Off I, the top of your head, I can you think of anything? In twenty seventeen against ASU, they finished that game really well. I remember that yeah. was a, a game that stood out that season because they. But ASU scored at the half. Yes, and so it was a little bit different. It was a little wonky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so ASU twenty fifteen, the SC went up pretty big early. Um, I want to say it was twenty eight nothing at the half. Maybe it was thirty five nothing, but that was twenty fifteen. And then you have the the Arkansas State game and the Idaho game in twenty fifteen, all with Sark, by the way. Right. I I cannot remember another game for the life of me in which SC had this dominant of a run, um, where you could look at it and say that that's killer instinct, not just right. not just like you know, showing some grit and heart like they did against Penn State, like they did against Texas in 2017. They've had comebacks before. They've had uh, gutsy wins. But I feel like, in like for instance, the, the, the Rose Bowl against Penn State, early on in that game, they could have put their foot on Penn State's throat instead sure. of letting the third quarter happen the way that it played out. And, you know, we've, we've just seen over and over again that USC gets into trouble because they don't put opponents away and this was the first time in a long like you said like in since probably 2015 where you look at it and say no they just they just well I guess 2016 because that that run to the end of the season when they're beating Oregon and they're beating uh who is it Cal and right and some of those where you just pull away but it had been so long since it's since we've seen USC pull away I, I almost didn't even know what to I didn't even know how to process it it was just it was spectacular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. I mean, it was, it was, it was po- like it was just po- it was feel good, right? Like it was feel good for for right. once. We're you know you you come out of a game and um, you're interviewing you're interviewing like play, like I am interviewing players after the game, and like it's not asking questions where you're internally eye rolling because you're like okay whatever you know these answers are pat. It was like people actually had real reason to be happy and positive and smile in a post-game presser. Yeah, it was it, 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 completely weird. There was laughter in a post-game right. presser, Michael. Like yeah. That's, it's been I, a while. I, I know, it, it definitely has. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back and talk more about this game. 
and why USC maybe is not actually just the 37 yards that they were last week. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the CarCast. I want to talk about the offense a little bit more here. Keaton Slovis, just again, let me read down this these numbers. 28 of 33, 377 yards. A USC freshman starter debut record, by the way. Uh, three touchdowns, a long of 45, and he was only sacked once. Quarterback rating of 210.8. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Yeah, super good, super good. I mean, these numbers are insane when you look at the quarterback rating. Best quarterback rating for a USC quarterback since Sam Darnold, who did it twice, 212 and 218 against who? Stanford in 2017. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I I don't I don't necessarily revel in in the whole like is this just what USC does to Stanford now like thing I don't know <laughs> only when they're wearing their home jerseys only when they're wearing home jerseys because yes, last that's, year that's, definitely that's not yeah, what happened that, this is absolutely the caveat yeah. here but I I, I want to talk about about Keaton Slovis because. I, all fall camp, I said it didn't matter who won the quarterback job, didn't matter, didn't matter, didn't matter. Anyone overreacting to however the quarterback uh, depth chart was, take a deep breath, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Here we are, Keaton Slovis looks amazing, and I'm going to still double down on that. I don't think it matters. And, and this is not a knock on Keaton, Keaton Slovis, this is a testament to what the offense can do when you're when you're working well and when you're putting your players in a position to succeed like Heaton Slovis and he did fantastic, right? And it was also the offense that allowed him to be fantastic, which is the perfect scenario for USC when you have this many talented players. And yeah, I know people are gonna say, Well, it's Clay Houghton getting bailed out by the talent again. I, isn't that what you want? I mean like I I am already really really sick and tired of the narratives that uh, people will weave around Clay Hilton and talent and all that kind of crap. Like I I'm just I'm very very over it. Um, but you know, going into this game, I I said on multiple occasions, the quarterback will look as good as his teammates allow him to look. For sure, yeah. And that what Keaton Slovis does as the starting quarterback at USC, will be a direct reflection of what the players around him give him. Yeah. In the first the, the first two drives of this game, it wasn't Keaton who was who was stopping USC from getting max points out of those. Receiver, receivers dropped passes. There were mistakes. Fumble in, on special teams, all that kind of stuff. But as soon as the team and the collection of individuals all came together to everybody pull their weight... Look at what happened. 45 points later, 40, sorry, 42 points later, right. boom, you have one of the best USC victories in the last year. Two years. years. Since, the dec- one of the best of the decade. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. It, it's insane to be able to, to, to even say that. And, and yet so here, here I don't, we are. But I mean, I do, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves because Stanford, this Stanford team uh, was without their starting quarterback, without their starting left tackle. Um, th- their defense was largely intact, but like, you know, we don't know how good the Stanford team is, but at the very least, you know, it's a David Shaw Stanford team. So they're at a minimum level of preparation, a right. minimum level of, of, uh, of, of performance that you're going to get out of them. And USC smacked them around on offense. And you have to give credit to all of the cogs in the machine. It's Keaton Slovis navigating the pocket like we talked about and then yeah. hitting his – we knew he could throw the ball accurately. We knew he could make really nice throws downfield. I, I really want you to see that that pass to Pittman because – Because I didn't see it. You or, and I talked in the car again. Sorry, Keely. Um, but the idea that you were asking me like, so what was the big, this big deal with this pass? I'm like, you have to understand. He had like a – Foot foot by foot window to throw this to like bullseye womp rats. Yeah, and it was like he threw it like a dart, and he had to get it in this right spot on this back shoulder pass to Michael Pittman down the sideline in the third quarter. He had to get it in the right spot, or else it was going to be picked, batted away. Uh, Pittman was going to have no chance, whatever. And he did, 
And I'm well, like, he, freaking, how did he do that? Like, because he has the arm talent. That was totally, th- yeah. This was the thing that that Graham Harrell, and we could we could see it in practice as well, straight from the beginning. I mean, I remember the first practice of spring camp, watching the quarterbacks and going like, hey, he doesn't look out of place. Like, arm talent-wise, he looks perfectly like he fits in. The thing where you questioned was, could he make good decisions? And could he, uh, you know... Stay poised and and in which which the are offense. the things that that the offense can't do for you. Yes, right. Like the offense can create the ability to make those things easier. Yes, can create the the decisions easier to manage. But you still got to make the the right decisions. Like J T. Daniels throwing the interception last week. That was the that, wrong. De- well, that was it. Was a con- confluence of errors. He but should right? have just thrown the ball away. It was sure. really that simple. But. That happens. Quarterbacks will make mistakes, and you know? Keaton Slovis did not do that in this game. Yeah. And, which, and which is a testament to him because he surely could have. Well, okay. And, so and, the, in, in his first start as a true freshman. And, right. And it wouldn't have is, been a crime for him to do so. No, but now my 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 thing about this is that, like, I think USC fans should celebrate this win to the max degree because it has been too long. This is, for instance, remember in 2013 when USC fans rushed the field against Stanford and there were people who were like, oh, they rushed the field, whatever. And it was like, no, 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 no. It had been so long since USC fans had something to 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 revel in. It had been, it, it was a, it was a. Five years. Well, it was a post-sanctions jubilation of, of that moment. And so I, like, my thing was rushing the field had, it was in the context of everything that had, that had gone on that year. And it, that had gone on in the last two years or whatever. Celebrate this win in the context of the 15, you know, th- the 30 games that we talked about in the last car cast. Like the, the, the Groundhog's Day, Russian doll, like bull crap that we put up with every week. Like, so celebrate, take this moment and, and, and wring as much joy out of this 45 to 20 win as you can possibly do. But then once you're done with that, then once you're done with that, sit back, recognize that Keaton Slovis is probably not going to hit 85% of his passes next week. He's probably not going to throw for 377 I'm yards. I'm telling you. That they, He's probably not going to throw three they touchdowns. Were, they were too perfect. He's probably not going to be above a 200 rate, uh, quarterback rating next week or the week after or whatever. So you have to you now have to take the the fact that he's still the freshman. He's still going to go out there. And and be a reflection of what this team does as an overall thing. But the nice thing about this was you get to see what the ideal looks like. You get to see what USC is striving for. When Graham Harrell told reporters, you know, over this offseason, he wants to score 55 points a game. Like, this is the performance he was talking about. If they, if they score a touchdown on that, uh, if Tyler Vons catches that ball in the end zone on that first drive, then USC is getting real close to the 55-point mark, right? Yeah. So, like, you're looking at an ideal performance. Will you have an ideal performance every every week? No. Well, But if so, you get 85 90%, then you're going to score 40 points a game, and you're going to win a hell of a lot of games in really, really fun style. Right, because the defense, again, like we, we said, is going to keep teams to about 25 points. Yeah. And if you score 40 and they, you hold them to 25, you're going to win games, right? So I looked up Kyler Murray's stats. How many times last year do you think he had a quarterback rating of 200? Uh, a lot. <laughs> Let's go with eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Hey! Eight. Nailed it! Including two that were the 300. Jeez. Including 348 against Baylor. Oh my. I don't even know how this is possible. Okay, he went wait. 17 of 21. Hold on. For 432 yards. Hold How do you on. complete 17 passes and get 432 yards? Keaton Slovis' next 200-plus rating game, because I think BYU will probably... Th- BYU has looked like a team that has a pulse this year, so sure. BYU's interesting. Utah is definitely going to come at USC and throw... USC's so it's going to be Arizona, is what you're saying. Yes, Look ahead to Arizona as the next time Keaton Slovis looks but like he's going to win the Heisman. But if he's over 150, you'll take that. Exa- well, exactly. So then here's the thing is Keaton Slovis, what I liked about him 
in this game is the way that all the offensive players and defensive players were talking about how when things went bad, when Velas fumbled on that kickoff return, Keaton grabbed the whole offense, pulled them together and said, from here on out, whenever we're on the field, we're scoring. And he got them, he he gave the whatever little speech he gave and like in, and, and inspired them and got them up and, and ready to go. So what USC needs Keaton Slovis to be able to do as USC moves forward against BYU in his first road game and then back home on a Friday night against Utah, USC needs to continue to prove they can take a shot to the mouth and still get back up and keep going. That's what they proved in this game. Right, because these next four games are going to be brutal. Well, and and arguably, if you wanted to expand the sample size here, USC proved Fresno State, they took a punch to the gut when they lose their starting quarterback and they have to throw a true freshman in there. And as much as we came out of that game saying, like, man, it was the same thing over and over again, on the rewatch, if you listen to to my rewatch on, on Patreon or you heard us talk about it at all, you know that, like, you came away thinking, like, man, you were just a few moments away from opening that game up. And you just dropped the ball. Literally. You just dropped the ball. But the 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 took a punch and then held on and didn't screw up and didn't throw the game away thing, USC was able to hold on. So they've now taken the next step. We talked about they need to take another step. That's what they did against Stanford. They took a punch and then they ramped it up. They put their foot on the gas pedal and just ran with it. So they need to be able to do that against BYU. And they need to be able to do that against Utah. And it won't. Right. It, you, they're not going to score 45 points on Utah. But if you can get to a point where you score 30 points on Utah, our raw index thing is going to be the, the thing that comes into play. But it's going to come down to how well can this offense function and how well can Keaton Slovis function within the confines of, of the offense against even tougher defenses that USC is going to face. By the way, we were told tonight uh, by, our, by our friend Richard on, on Slack that the rod index doesn't matter. So, I don't know. Maybe we should ditch it. I like the rod index. Well, you know, Richard doesn't like it. I so. mean, it literally doesn't matter, but. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, two things to get to. One, um, so you, you mentioned the next couple of games. I mean, the next four games, still absolutely brutal. USC looked great tonight. They absolutely can still lose the next four. Let's let's yeah, not get ahead yeah. of ourselves here, right? Well, because, f- for instance, this Stanford defense wasn't that good last year. So right. yeah. if they're just not good, then, yeah, USC is going to blow up Arizona. Like, I guarantee sure. you that. But they, they still got to prove it against legitimately good defenses, and they're going to play three in a row, Utah, Washington, Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, BYU is a little bit of a wild card here, but they're they're going to be tested. I, I want to backtrack to 2016. 2016, SC stumbles out of the gate. They go one and three. Sam Darnold's inserted as the quarterback. They lose to a little quarterback named Troy Williams from Utah, and SC goes to one and three. They they bounce back with wins against Colorado, ASU, Oregon, and at the time, we said they need to get to the Washington game to prove that they're actually good because Oregon went 4-8 and eight that year. We didn't know what or the hell Oregon was, so yeah. beating Oregon 45-20 didn't mean anything, right? So here we are. SC beat Stanford 45-20. What does SC need to do to prove that they are for real? Because... Clearly, the offense can be, but they need to prove collectively that that this is a team that is truly legitimately a contender, if not the contender in the Pac-12. What needs to happen for for that to happen where you'll sit here and be like, yeah, SC's the favorite in the Pac-12? Um, let's see. Well, I mean, you asked me something about what I needed to see from the offense for them to make me confident, right? right? And I said I needed to see some consistency where it's not long stretches where you're uh where you're, you know, having where you're literally producing nothing. And we literally saw in this game touchdown, 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 the three and out, and then immediately touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. So they've responded to that. 
when it comes to the bigger picture, like what do I need to see from this team? It's it's just sort of the the macro version of that of that sort of micro thing. Just have stretches where you look like you have your heads on screwed on. T- but there's like, not a specific moment or time well, that it needs gonna, to happen because you're gonna beat you're gonna beat BYU if okay. you do that. Sure. You're gonna beat Utah at the Coliseum if you do that. Okay. When you when you beat Utah at the Coliseum, then you are you're on the cusp of they're for real, right? But then it comes down to that Washington game again. It really does come down going to Seattle. You don't have to beat Washington, but you need to again put in performances where it sure. looks like your head is screwed on right. Be competitive. And right. it, again, it's not like Washington is unbeatable. They literally they, just lost. They literally just lost the Cal. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing for me. Like, I, I think when you when you look around the conference, if SC plays like they did tonight, I think SC can absolutely win, win the Pac-12. It's okay, just a matter of they need to prove it on a well, weekly. Well, they need to be consistent. And, it's yeah, really as sure. simple as they need to be consistent. And this is the thing I was saying. I, I've said this before this offseason. Yes, USC's opening six games are tough. But they're only tough in the context of five and seven. Because in in truth, everyone on USC's schedule is extremely flawed. Utah, we don't know what they're going to look like away from Rice-Eccles. We don't know if they can break through that ceiling of Utah-ness that they have. Washington. Utah-ness. Utah-ness. I mean, Utah's going to Utah. Washington has been a team that is good but not great that can roll through an easy schedule but then gets, you know, face slapped when they get to the playoff. Washington is not a juggernaut that's unbeatable. Notre Dame is not a juggernaut that's unbeatable. Notre Dame looked vulnerable against Louisville. Notre Dame looks vulnerable every damn year. So it's not like you can't beat Notre Dame. Like, the six games that USC faced to start the season are difficult but so, but not they like not impossible. So well, not impossible because of USC's talent. And what we saw USC's in this talent. game was yes. USC leveraged their talent for good, for good things, and and yes. they were able to put it together and have that talent win because the talent was in an offensive scheme that allowed it to blossom. USC, which, which is great. It's just a matter of again doing that week in and week out because no, not I just, just week in and week out, but drive in and drive out. Yeah, for sure. I, I will give you that. Drive in and drive out because you don't want three drives of greatness and then three of bad. Yes. Right. Where t- Tonight, that was the refreshing thing. It was three drives of greatness, one of bad or two of bad, but right. never more than two. Hey, what was my prediction in this game? I said 31-20, and it was 31-20 at one point in the third quarter. Yes. And I'm like, oh my god! If they just stop scoring, this is great for me. I'm gonna look like a genius. Everyone thought I was nuts for my prediction. Oh my god! This makes me look so smart. I mean, you were you were hardcore pushing the idea that USC would win this game, not just by like. But the, I said that they were gonna they were gonna throw and that they were gonna be able to move the ball. And I said Sanford was gonna throw and be able to move the ball. Sanford yeah. did, but I think I. I, I wasn't impressed with Davis. I was about to ask uh, Davis Mills at all. I, I was curious about your vantage point up in the press box because from my vantage point down on the field, Davis Mills did he, not. When look. he threw downfield, he was incredibly inaccurate. Yes. Um, it, everything was. I feel like all the big games, big gains were on screens. Uh, or passes over the middle to Colby Parkinson for like eight yards. Like he had 237 yards and I'm not sure where those yards came from. Screens. Yeah. They were screens. That's that's what it was. So, which I guess is fine. Like if you have a guy thrown out there for the first time, but David but Shaw again, said he was going to open up the whole playbook and he never, they never really took that many shots downfield. And, but then again, part of it was because he was super inaccurate throwing those. Well, and again, this goes back to why we... I didn't want to fall for the trap, and so I still wasn't going for it. But we had a conversation about the thing about the quarterbacks is that, you know, you can argue Keaton's in a better spot because you trust the scheme more. Where Stanford. And the players around him, yeah. Well, yeah, where Stanford was going to. Stanford's going to live and die by KJ Costello being a playmaker. And that's not ideal. I mean, this is why, for instance, on RandomShore.com this week, I 
posted an article about how USC was 0-5 in the last five games that USC had a backup quarterback come in for an injured starter. Going back to Mark Sanchez was the last one in 2007. In 2007. Well, part of that is because USC has, has an offense that has been reliant on the quarterback to be the playmaker. Right. And for the first time, you throw in... You mean Aaron Corp didn't make the plays? I mean, no, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Corp was five of six on his first drive, so like oh, that, you know. I remember that first drive well because actually goes up ten nothing, and that yeah. first they are just gashing Washington. And I'm like, wow, they they might not even have to throw the football; they just run the whole time. And yeah. then yeah, and then from, no. from that moment on, now me and my dad are always like, if we see someone with a deer in the headlights, look, oh yeah, they are Aaron, Aaron Corp look, look. yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> um, last thing I want to get to before we wrap this thing up because we've gone a little bit long, and it's like three a.m. at this point. Talking about the running game. Vivai Malpay, I didn't have that many yards. Didn't have that many carries. It did not matter. 12 carries, 40-something yards, I think. 12 carries for 42 net yards. Yeah. And the two, important number. Two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Stephen Carr had six carries again, but he had a brilliant 25-yard touchdown run. This was exactly what the running game needs to be. In the sense of not their total production... But of how they are utilized and what they do for the offense, they were they were given the ball when it was advantageous to run. The whole point of going three, four, five wide with your receivers and spreading everything out is to make that box count advantageous to run in when when you can, right? Like make the, the box count advantageous, use the space, put your players in space, all of that, right? And when they ran the football, they were so effective doing it. Because they had built it up. We, we said that they needed to throw to be able to run. That's exactly what they did in this game. And it worked. And it, yeah, it sucks that Keaton Slovis only had three touchdown passes. But who, who cares? Yeah, no, it was, it was a... F- <sighs> I keep going back to, to Mike Leach's balance, uh, balanced offense that isn't 50-50 run pass. It's about... Where you're, where you're putting the ball. And the way that USC spread the ball around in this game was perfectly balanced to me. It, it, made, it made perfect sense to run the ball as, as much as they did, which was not nearly as much as they did against Fresno State. But this was something Mike Jinks said during the week. When they give us a light box, we're going to run. When they don't give us a light box, Keaton's going to throw. It's really that simple. And so right. you see an offense that's dictated by what will best impact the defense. And sometimes that means, you know, only having 12 carries for Vimalapai for uh, he, he averaged only 3.5 yards per carry. Like it's not like a world beater kind of day. But he has two touchdowns, so that's literally all that matters because he was he, because the the carries that he got he was effective on. And I think I'm going to be very curious in the in the rewatch to see there were more situations where the where the running backs were getting hit in the backfield uh, because they you know they get dropped. Yeah, they, they weren't quite as effective as they were against Fresno State, but I don't think it really mattered. In but this game. but see, and that was that I I don't think it's that the running backs were less effective. I think that the offensive line or the blocking situation, Stanford was getting getting guys sure back there a little bit quicker. Right. But again, if you can be effective you didn't need to run the ball you didn't need to pound the rock uh and and this goes back to to you know i was having conversations on twitter about people talking about like i don't know why Stephen carr is the number one guy and people talking about how they want to see marquee step and all this kind of stuff it's like i i i don't see the point in complaining about this running back rotation because it looks to me like when it stops working let's have a conversation about how it's wrong it's the same thing with the quarterbacks right but, yeah. but even more so who cares who the running back is? Yeah. If it's Vi or Car, it doesn't matter. They're both successful. Mo- using them interchangeably is clearly working for the better. So who cares? Well, and, and, I don't, and, and I don't you see think... that with the with the wide receivers too. Yeah. In this game, first half was all about Amara St. Brown. The second half was all about Michael Pittman. And you and I talked in the car again. Sorry, Sorry Keely. Keely. Um, but the idea that in the rewatch, I want to pay more attention to. How much of that has to do with Paul, Paulson Adebo? I didn't yeah. notice it nearly as much in the in the game real time. I want to go back and re- watch 
were they going away from Paulson Adebo? Was that about Stanford changing up their coverages? Because when you have three elite playmakers at wide receiver, Michael Pittman, Amara St. Brown, and Tyler Vaughns, you can't blanket cover three dudes. Well, and that's one the, of them is going to have to be open on one play, you know, at some point. The the this receiving chart, this stat line for the receivers is what I imagined would would happen in this in in this offense. You got eight catches for ninety seven yards for Amara St. Brown. You got six catches for eighty two yards for Michael Pittman. You got five catches for one hundred and six yards for for Tyler Vaughns. That's more or less equal. More yeah, and and one guy has more re- receptions. One guy has more yards. Yeah, uh, St. Brown had the most had. catches and touchdowns, but but still, like that's how it kind of balances that. Right, but but and like you said, it's interesting that it's that balance wasn't you know one two three one two three one two three. It was Amon Ra Amon Ra Amon Ra. Oh, Stanford's adjusting to the fact that Amon Ra is killing them. All right. Let's just go to Michael Pittman. All right, let's just go to Tyler Ron's. Like, it's impossible. It's it's. I, I've used this analogy before, but like the idea of 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 a, you, your defense is a blanket. You can only cover so many things. You're gonna have to leave. You know, your either your feet or your head are gonna have to be exposed. And like that's what USC is throwing at at, at defend uh, defenses with these this running with this receiving core. Is that you can only cover two of the three. You can only cover, which means that a third is going to be open. And that's not even accounting for what Drake London can give you, what Munir McClain can right. give you, what Valus Jones can give you, what these, you know, we haven't even gotten into the tight ends yet. Josh Follow was available for a potentially big game. Can we talk about that play really quick? Yeah, because it so, was a great play that I thought that work, was one of those know? few plays in football that's great on both sides. Yeah. Tip Ke- your hat. Keaton Slovis makes a great play play in the sense of he extends the play he mm-hmm. scrolls around the in the pocket looks super calm i thought he was going to run at one point yeah he didn't but he keeps his eyes up yeah he he sees he's got uh josh follow down the seam and he's like i'm gonna take this shot good opportunity too if it gets yeah. picked on an arm punt who cares he goes and he make he, he makes the throw hangs it a little too high that's gonna happen if when you, you're on the run like you, that, if yeah. you complete 85 percent of your passes, you can live with one little loopy one, right? Yeah. But but even still, makes the right read, makes does everything right, and Paulson Adebo makes a hell of a play to just close on Josh Follow, and it's one of those things where great great play by the quarterback, great play by the cornerback. Mm-hmm. Football's awesome. It's just one of those plays. It's one of those plays where there was an opportunity. You tried, it didn't come off. That happens. And that's that's the three and out. That's the three and out on the third down. They get a sack. And again, it's one of those things where like it happens, but you don't let it sustain. You know, you take the positives of that and you, you know, work score touchdowns in the next three drives. drives. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's the way you got to do. You got to pick yourself up and go for it. And that's what I thought. Keaton did that really well. I thought the defense did that really well. Um, I was tweeting, you know, at, at different times over the thing, like the ends justify the means for this defense. The ends, like this defense can give up as many yards as they want. If points aren't going off the board, then they have, they have succeeded. They've won. So, you know, I th- I feel like that's, this is a, a really exciting balance for this team that I really, really, really hope that they're able to continue into next week. Cause like, I mean, like you guys have no idea how much I needed USC to come out and not and not just like crush. I did not. The last thing I wanted to do was come back to the studio and have to do another as much as people enjoyed my rant from last year. Like it was exhausting. The the emotions that were being thrown around uh, in our last car cast like that. It was exhausting to have to live through that and live through that game after game after game after game. It was for the first time a USC game for the first time in over a year, a USC game was not completely and utterly emotionally exhausting. And like, I don't know about you, Michael, but like I needed USC to not screw everything like that. Like I I needed it to be fun for once. And finally, they gave us that. It was fun. And if nothing else, if nothing else, USC proved they can be Big 12 bad. 
and I'm here for it. I am yeah. so I'm if, so here for it. If they're going to be Big 12 bad and go 7 and 5 by scoring 45 points every couple games or 45 points every game whatever it is, I can live with it. At least they're exciting. Yeah. The defense held Stanford to 0 points in the second half and holds them to 20 points and SC gets what essentially was a blowout win because they routed them 42 to 3 in the last 40 minutes in this game. Uh so it's a little bit different. But on on the positive side, this extreme positive SC has a chance here to the, the, they got a bunch of tough games if they get through these next tough games they they're maybe for real. But the if nothing test. else, they're they're Big 12 bad and that's that's fun too. I'm cool with this. I'm cool with this. But the big test is this coming week. The road trip, because this has been the yeah. problem for Clay Helton teams. The Stanford, the Stanford game two years ago, SC plays Texas the next week, struggles mightily on offense. Yeah. The week after, they go on the road to Cal, and they played what I thought was the worst game that SC played all season. And yet, they win that game. They win that game handily. thirty to twenty-one. I want to say thirty-one twenty, whatever it was, and it was one of those games in which the score didn't match the situation. Yeah. Because SC played awful in that game. They got bailed out by like five turnovers and that by, was, by Cal. And that was a bad Cal team. Like that was yeah. straight up bad Cal team. Yeah. So USC has not been good on the road under Clay Helton for the most part. 12 and 16 away from the Coliseum. This is a really, really big opportunity because BYU is competitive, I'd say. But they're not, again, this is not a juggernaut. The hardest part about this game is going to Provo. That's it. So if you get over the hump of like knowing what to do when you're on the road, then you should be fine in this game. And if USC can prove that they're fine in this in this coming week, then, then will they be back? Will USC be back? Oh, okay. No, let's let's put a moratorium on the on the B A C K word. All right. Because no. <laughs> All right. Let's let's end it right there. Uh, tell us what you guys think. Give us your calls. Two one three three seven three. One, One USC, USC suck at what's Bruin Bruin show. And, oh, by the way, did did you listen to their recap? No. Oh, my God. It was it glorious? Br- brilliant. I, Jake, I, I feel for you, I, but I love you because the, the, the recap for for UCLA's loss to San Diego State was one rant line call that was very upsetting. Oh, Very no. upset, right? And it was just two minutes. Like, that's the entire <laughs> recap. I like their entire car cast is just one rant line call, and it, it's glorious Okay, I for, was, for what it is. I was keeping track of the ASU game, ASU playing Sacramento State on Friday night, right? It was Friday or Thursday night? Friday night. Yeah. And I tweeted, USC may be bad at times, but they're not. It's the fourth quarter, and you still haven't scored a touchdown against Sacramento State. Bad. And I was waiting for that tweet to come back and bite me in the butt when USC got smashed by Stanford. Obviously, it didn't happen. But Alicia, USC may be bad at six times. Six offensive touchdowns. Six. Yeah. Six. USC may be bad at times, but they're not lose to San Diego State at home in front of maybe twenty thousand people. Bad. Mm. So there's always that. Sorry, Jake. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to rub it in, but I'm sorry. He's he's winning the punter battle, so Oh, this is true. You know. Hey, Ben had a 48, 48 he, yarder. He had a fifty his long his long tonight was a fifty one yarder. When they let him actually rip it, it went fifty one yards. So Yeah, it, it, he averaged forty two. It, it wasn't exactly USC's not thirty seven yards anymore, Michael. USC is forty two yards. Yeah, forty five points. Yeah. Mm, let him have the blue chew a little bit more and, and <laughs> let him let him rip one. That's all that's all I want. Uh, But anyways, we'll be back with the full recap on Tuesday. As always, until then, phone number 213-373-1-USC, second what's Bruin show. Email address reignoftroy at fansire.com. We will see ya. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.